Hi, everybody. We're back. Uh, we have our Dr. Zoom. I want to call you doctor because I'm probably <laughs> suits if I call you Professor Zoom, uh, Pat. And we have, welcome to the first Zoom here, the second banana, as he calls himself. Uh, Greg's on a Zoom. Hey, say hi. We can't, we can't hear you, see wait, you, man. <laughs> hey, Chuck, what's going on, man? You spoiled it already. Now they know where the guest is. Hey. Hey, so hey. we're gonna actually talk. We have we have three hey. elders, we have three elder statesmen hey. of the underground hey. music Ow. scene. I want, I, I want to stand up really quick to prove hey, I have pants on. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> see, this is going well already. Uh, we're oh. off the rails. Okay, 37 seconds oh. in. Okay, we're off the rails, but we have of course, Rochester, what would you guys say? We were a big, like, especially with the War Memorial, like REO Speedwagon, Journey, Ford and stuff. But we have the underground music scene. I think we had three elder statesmen up in here and Chaz, Chaz Lockwood. Right. Hey, man. He's waving. Nobody knows the, he can't uh, see yeah, us. So, so, yeah, this is still going to be an audio podcast. We're just doing this so we can see each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so we have this is also Chuck is uh, the first uh, guest who ever had a colonoscopy the morning of the show. Oh, so how are you yeah, doing? Yeah, I, I, plan, I plan to talk all about it. That's what I'm going to talk about. I, I'm yeah. sure he's really glad that you had to mention <laughs> So now the audience knows, like, if it's, like, slow or so, whatever else. And so tell me, what do you remember about it? <laughs> hey, you know, um, propofol, the, uh, the stuff they put you under. Kids, don't try this at home. It's what they gave Michael, Jack Michael Jackson. Uh, that was Michael Jackson's last cocktail or something. Yeah, there you it go. Works. Yep, yep. It works. Hey, can I have some more of this? Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, no. But how did everybody, okay, we can go around. How did you first, uh, when did you first sort of get into alternative type of music instead of the popular stuff for both of you? Hey, can I can I respond? That's a great question. Because... It's you. You're the guest, man. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> respond. Getting respond. into the music scene. <laughs> About age 20, 19 was my way to get out of my shell because I was a socially uh, like, you know, like a social zero in high school. At least I felt that way. And a huge confidence booster. And uh, I was in a school talent show and that went well. And then I had I got my mojo and I decided to join a band off of a poster hung in the record archive. They wanted a surf punk me to be a surf punk band needs a guitar player. and. Uh, I had my Hondo guitar my mom bought me from the house of guitars. I could play basic bar chords and some pentatonic solos, which was good enough to join Cousin Al and the Relatives. Yeah, uh, man. Early, yeah, early surf band. <laughs> from, Did you do uh, any of the Surfing in the Barge Canal stuff or Zombie Stomp? Or was I that wrote afterwards? That. Oh, you wrote that? I wrote Surfing on the Barge Canal. <laughs> and, uh, there you go. And uh, Brian Goodman, uh, if you ever listen to this, big shout out. He uh, he's still the consummate punk rock and roller. He had a record collection of about you know eight hundred records of just trashy, great trashy rock. I was more of a suburban kid who was still just like listening to WMJQ and uh, CMF. So I wasn't exposed <laughs> yeah. to a lot of Kick-ass rock and roll with the I do have the glow you know, in the dark MJQ. You know, I had an MJQ satin sure. jacket. I don't know where. Oh, I want one. A promo, and I. Oh man. I left it with my cousin, and I was like, "Oh, you know, you might like this. Here, take it." And I don't know what happened to it. Oh. 
Yeah, they were like the uh, they were like the more polite uh, alternative to WCMS, yeah. which was mm-hmm. a little Magic, bit more uh, Magic One Hundred Two, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they do I the I'm a rocker? I, I, I think they had the ads. I'm a rocker. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it might have been. It might have been. That was right on the cusp of punk. I mean, that was still satin jacket and feathered right. hair. Yeah, uh, sometimes you know? and sometimes late, too, late like, 80s holdover. <laughs> sometimes late at night too, they right. had some good like rock shows on too with different stuff. If you listen later at night, they had like some different rock shows and stuff on with like different stuff sometimes. Oh yeah, I used to listen to I don't know if this was the the same thing, but uh the King Biscuit Flower Hour. Yeah, yeah. They put on live. Um oh, oh man, it was great. That. They had Blondie and Devo. Right. Just live, you know, they tape live shows. Tons of cassette pirating recording. Yeah, remember that? Like the difference then when you'd always you'd make a cassette, give it to a friend, give it to a friend. With no lawyers involved. (laughs) Yeah, well, you think of you know that was the uh, when the you start being able to you know uh, uh, copy records into cassettes. That was the end of all music. That was it. So every time it rolls around, it's the same thing. You know, it's right, the right. end of all music, <laughs> digital. It's the end of all music, Napster. It's the end of all music. Nobody's going to buy music now. What are you doing? But I think yeah. this, the only difference now, we talked about this on the show before, is that like those days, you would ask friends, you would always try to get advice because there weren't many outlets to go to in terms of finding different music. And now it's all over the place. But I still ask advice from friends. Like I asked Josh Yanetsky, but he got me into the fruit bats and I never heard of them. Oh, I love those guys. Yeah, see, but they're still, that's the way I still do it. I'll ask Caitlin and she'll tell me who she's listening to or like Greg or like UHC McIntyre. That was a great find. Well, you're welcome, Rob, because you've, tur- you've, uh, you're on my way. Like you've turned me on to lots of jangly, uh, underground stuff over the years and sent me CDs. Uh, the Warlocks, the Green Pajamas. I don't even know if these bands are still around. Cosmic Rough Riders. Ago. Cosmic Rough Riders. I just want to hear a green, the Green Pajamas because of the name. <laughs> That's why they're I like found a, them. Um, they're like a bird zombies kind of thing. Of uh, course. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jeff Kelly, yeah. he does like solo stuff at no, the same time. Look that up. If, if it's on you, is it on YouTube? I'll, I'll send you some. I'll send you okay. some. I'll send you some videos. But did you were you always into this music? No, Rob is. Go on. Yeah, I mean, back to back to uh my formative love for music. I mean, uh, um so the FM radio stuff, I would go towards that like guitar dude stuff but it wasn't it wasn't a heavy uh it wasn't like um zeppelin it was more like you know just a normal guy like well i don't know normal's a bad thing to say but like you know beaten potatoes <laughs> tom petty stone nobody's normal a little secret uh, i mean you don't have to defend it i mean it's good it's it's the good stuff but um yeah but yeah getting into the uh, music scene i got to get with some guys that were a little bit more uh edgy they were a little bit more underground, and that really uh, opened up my head, like uh, television and you know stuff you didn't hear on the FM radio. One of my lost yeah. concerts from last year was Richard Lloyd was coming to Abilene. That was one of my COVIDed concerts. Did you so, see it? No, oh, they it canceled, canceled it because of COVID. But Greg, how did you 
did this sort of go the same way for you in terms of music, like going from the mainstream to all the stuff you do? Well, I, I mean, my influences were in high school were top 40. So whatever was on the radio, that's, I mean, I was in a high school band and played at my high school, you know, while I was in high school. <laughs> but after that, I got into prog rock and more like Chick Corea and stuff like that. And, and then later on, I, you know, then I moved to Los Angeles in the 80s. And, you know, I was writing music, but I was not part of that, you know, uh, spandex things because I was in my oh, room. Yeah. Then, so. Well, I think a lot of us, like, we're like all the socially awkward gang who got into like this underground music scene and we met people like us, fellow travelers, and it was cool to find people with the same interests and sort right. of being accepted for what we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, anytime anybody turns you on to anything, hey, I like this band, you know, check it out. You know, you listen to it, you got nothing to lose, you like it. And that's why all these artists now, like, you know, all the platforms that are out there, Spotify and all that. It's like, just, you know, click on a thing if you like it, pass on it. If you really like it, then you're going to look into it, <laughs> you know? Well, I think like in high school, one of the problems, Jeff Bauman made that comment when he was on the show is you you were sort of broken into factions and you had to be the metal person oh, or this cool, person. Yeah. You couldn't like, you know, somebody was a metal person. They listened to say something like Sting, you had to keep it hidden. Right. <laughs> you would be in trouble. Well, I, mean, I was like a three dog night guy, and they wanted to, you know, they wanted to beat me up. So, you know, <laughs> I wasn't a heavy guy. So, yeah, but that's you know, that's the thing. I think you know, like I, it was one of those things where I, I think the minute you get out of that constant click environment, right, that you realize it's like every metalhead that I hung out with was really into. They might be giants. You know, you know, it's like they were all really into they might be giant. You could not think of a less metal thing ever. But they no, were really. like, oh, this stuff is great. You know, it's like, you know, I had metal metal heads, you know, and then they and then they just kind of moved over, you know, to, to hip hop, you know, right from there, you know, just like right. or but you know, and stuff would cross, you know, and uh it's well it's so true. The older you get, you get to a certain point in your life, and I've I've hit there where it's just like, oh, I don't have to give a crap if music is cool. I can just like whatever. Patrick. <laughs> well, you know, yes. the thing is, that's what I was saying earlier in the in the show. It's like, what makes people feel good? What music makes people feel good? It might be drungy, grungy shit, or it might be, you know, fast, poppy stuff. So, I mean, maybe it's depending on your mood or what, what's going on in your life. But I thought about that tonight because we were in the garage that's what we do in Ontario. We go in the garage and party. <laughs> but, yeah. I thought that was just on a round of cut. People go in the garage and party. It's also Ontario. I write that but I know, like, I, I, I know, I, I think I know what your question is going to be. Yeah, yeah. I think I know what your question is. Yeah, yes. I am 48 years old. So, yeah, I was going to say, well, <laughs> I look much younger than I am. Do you mean 80s? Do you mean 80s metal or do you mean 70s metal? Like, do you mean like Tesla or do you mean like, uh, I mean, well, Led Zeppelin. Honestly, the metal heads, the metal heads that I was friends with, it was like, it was more like uh, we're talking thrash, Anthrax, Metallica, Megadeth, that kind of okay. stuff. Like what they what they used to call speed metal, right? Um, which is a you know million other right. distinctions, but you know, and, and there's a yeah, but there you know, there's a lot of like 
there's a lot of debate as to when metal like kind of really became metal, but yeah, it definitely started with like, it's different or, types, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And Zeppelin would say they're not metal. And I think Robert Plant, he was like the, the thing with uh, the heavy metal, like lead vocalist took everything he did, but they'd say they're more hard rock. They went into all kinds of genres. Yeah. But they're, they're on a, What's the, what's, the, what's the lore of uh, Metallica recording in Rochester before they were famous? Supposedly, uh, yes. Somebody they, told they, me they recorded something there. Yeah, they did. It was before at a, they got their big contract. It was at an East Avenue studio. Do you know the story, Greg? It's on East Avenue. That's all I know. And it I was mean, the one kill them all. Yeah, but it was it was that uh, the one in the middle of East Avenue before you get to like across from Salinger's. It was called Black something, Black something, Black Dog or something. Black Dog, that's it. Yeah, but, you know, that was the place. It was, And between that and Linden Oaks, Linden Oaks has had some very good people play there. And it's like, they just bring them in. Nobody, there's no publicity. <laughs> it's like, that's a good question, Chaz. Like, the, the difference now, how did you, when you've made some albums with, like, groups, how was the recording process when you started? Oh, are you asking me? Yeah. Um, oh well, I owe I owe my whole um, yep. half of my whole deal to Dave Anderson. I don't know if you guys. Know oh, everybody knows Dave. Dave but he I'm was sure. like the, <laughs> he's like the king the king of the garage Rochester garage. Yeah. Uh, Seeing early mid eighties, and he was so uh, he kind of was the guy who was the impresario. He like quote unquote signed us. Right. A couple other bands, Absolute Gray, Chinchillas, stuff like that. And he had a um, he had a connection in New York City um, with Midnight, and uh, so he had a home studio in his attic, and uh, it was a professional grade studio. A super good guy, and uh, that was our ticket to at least getting uh, al- albums out. You know, I-, I think there were like maybe two, 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 two thousand to two thousand copies or something like that, but. They're still floating around. Uh, you know, oh, if I'm ever bored, there's something I got night, like I can... to show you. I actually want to do a test because he's never seen the song before. I wanted Patrick to react to the song titles. I think you might remember this. You can see it over here. Where is it? The camera's right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But look at some of the song titles. Let's see what you think of them. This is the Bad and Us. Oh, wow. <laughs> K-Tel Rockstar. So Chuck, Time to party with Hitler's dog. Yeah, that's the um that's Cody the and Corey, uh, warped warped mind of Stan Dan Merrill. Merrill. And, uh, and uh when we were in Lotus STP together, there was another guy, Ken Frank, who's uh sort of a genius uh when it comes to weird song titles and, and concepts. He's been in you know a bunch of bands like Colorblind and stuff. That's awesome. How was? Tell us about Lotus a little bit. Can I? Yeah, I'm not stealing. I'm not stealing the show from uh, from. You're Patrick the guest. Greg's right our co-host. Patrick's a co-host. Okay. Yeah, man. What's up? So Stan, uh, Stan and me, we were still on track to put together another band after uh, I quit the surf band, and Stan was really motivated to get something, you know, because he he deserved the limelight. He's a great frontman, and so. Somehow he he was good at networking. He found Ken Frank, um, 
Pat Lowry and a guy named Hugh Edward. We drive all the way out to the uh, the fields of Brockport, like not Brockport College, but somewhere way out in Brockport. And Hugh Edwards had an underground, uh, lived in an underground hovel. It was like a dirt hole dog with like plywood walls. Wow. It was like an underground bunker in, in, in the middle of a uh, field of wildflowers. It was really strange. And um, we'd go there and we'd Sounds smoke like a lot a of weed and uh, <laughs> practice there. And uh, I, I wrote a lot of the chord progressions. Stan would write a lot of the lyrics. And then the other guys were like the, uh, you know, rhythm section and, and uh, backup. Uh, really good musicians. Uh, Pat Lowry. I'm not super friends with him these days, but I'm not like not friends. But uh, sort of like he's like an atomic <laughs> metronome. He was like an atomic clock. I mean, loud and just like totally uh, could keep the beat like Charlie Watts or something like that. Right. But these guys were freaks. They were uh, kind of like a you in the groove to death. <laughs> guys, yeah. Oh, like, Greg, like, where, um, where's the weirdest place you've ever recorded at? Recorded? Yeah, like that. Well... When I moved to California in the 80s, I, I went to some, I answered an ad for some band on Malibu Beach and I went, they had a house, they had a house studio and they had a freaking glass window and the whole, I mean, these guys had it down <laughs> and that was it. You know, if that's weird, I mean. <laughs> I know one time I was traveling with Fox 45, they had a gig in Pittsburgh and literally the place they wanted us to stay looked like the branch out of a house with a thousand corpses. <laughs> it was not good. It was like, okay, we'll just get a hotel or sleep in the cars. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I've played in some weird barn things, you know, I just, I'm like, I went to a place one time and I literally said to the guy, it was like just a little barn and it was like, it wasn't straight. It was like crooked. <laughs> like, Really? This is where we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can fit on stage. You live like five people. One can fit on stage. Yeah, roof's going to collapse at any moment. I think you mentioned like the thing about Stan the Man, too. I think the comment you made, and I totally agree. Close your eyes. You don't know what age he is, what genre, when he's singing. And I remember that at Richmond's, especially that one gig, you know, that kind of music, it could be from oh, yeah, anybody. I, yeah. Yeah, he really he really can project. He sounds a little bit like Jim Morrison. It's kind of got that bluesy side to it. Uh, uh, yeah, um, it works. Yeah, I think it does. Where were the places really to play in those days? Was it Richmond's or? Well, let me see. We played at Scorgies. We played at um, it was called Snake Sisters, but then it became um, it was on uh, oh, South yeah, Avenue. Yeah. On South Ave, yeah. I never heard of that one. It was Snake Sisters, then it was uh It was Susan Plunkett's place. Was yeah. Yeah. And uh and then we played at Shotzi's, which was on uh North, I think like North Main. It was like a little long uh long cramped uh bar. Uh but you know. Yeah, they would that. buck fans like us, so that was like part of the scene. But did you have you have any and, good uh, Scorgy stories? Uh, Steve Lyons was talking yeah, about I mean, some on the recent one. 
Yeah, Scrooge's was cool. I mean, I was still, you know, a young guy and I, I was kind of a sheltered kid. And that was like, whoa, here I am with all these uh, people in le- like leather jackets that smell like cigarettes. Yeah, that was and, like uh, the 80s. Rock picking and each roll. other up. And uh, that's rock and roll, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but uh, there was a bartender there who was a bully to me. He he could smell my my innocence. And so he, <laughs> he was a bully. He would like take my, he'd take, I'm not going to name his name, but hi there dude he was like a big Cajun <laughs> guy and he would take he would take my effects pedals and he would hide them <laughs> and uh i'd go hey can i have my effects pedals back and he would he like oh, i don't know what i did with it so uh that was awful <laughs> but um i had you gotta have a couple of shots first. There. i mean <laughs> we opened for uh you know lots of like paisley pop bands um you know, like the Rain Parade and True West and and uh, guys like that. And wow. uh, I remember hanging out upstairs sometimes on off nights, and you could just kind of like uh, oogle the oogle the rocker girls and sit in this corner with your friends, and right. they'd always play like what they play on the jukebox. They'd always play like Lords in the New Church or uh, <laughs> uh, the Psychedelic Furs. I remember like Love Vert- My Way. Vertex, you know? the Vertex playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that and, was uh, that was my place. Yeah, I used to go down. <laughs> Scotty, the bartender. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, handsome, charming Scotty. It was one of the bartenders. Uh, I remember there was a guy uh, who people loved, who uh, was uh, like an alcoholic, and uh, he. Uh, I heard he would like go around at closing time and drink the the, the spare drinks off the tables that people had left on the tables. I remember that guy. I actually remember that guy. I don't know yeah. who it was. Much beloved guy. The beauty uh, of it then, I used to get an underage all the time because my brother's band uh, played their stuff. Nobody really bothered me. Oh, well, your brother's you know, With these band, guys, they would kick was... us out. That's the thing. You know, these days, no way. Yeah. Well, your you know, brother's the... band. No, one of the gigs uh, I did back in the day was at Water Street. Was opening for the fix with the, the Earl Cram review with Susie before we became anonymous willpower. So it's like, wow, the fix, you know. <laughs> That's the, the first cool. time I saw Susie with I, Earl Cram. Yeah, I was one, that was one of my that was one of my oh, I love that. I mean, you know, yeah. it's not a big party or anything, but it's just nice to be on a bill with a good band, you know. Yeah, but they were a good band. They were yeah. they were cool. Uh, now, they had a really distinctive. Like their whole, their whole thing was very was not. I didn't heard any of their bands really, you know, like a new wave-ish kind of era that were. I like, mean, yeah, I mean, like, I, I just, I just read like a Google YouTube. thing on them with yeah. a singer or something, and he was yeah. saying, "Well, we were just trying to talk about the times and." Yeah, it was, you know, they used the effects that they could find and they made it work, you know. I think they're yeah. one of those bands like yeah. the Smithereens that everybody likes. You might, right. might not be your favorite, but I don't think people dislike. That's another that's another one of my that was another one of my big bands. I love but, Smithereens. But what gets yeah. me now is I used to get called names because I liked them Ramones, and now you see Ramon shirts at Target. I know. Yeah, yeah. And I used to get made fun of or like gun club. You know, they banned me from school. The country's going into a tailspin. <laughs> hey, guys, I saw a funny meme today. Speaking, speaking, speaking of which, you reminded me of. There's a meme, and it's got this, like, attractive young uh, girl, like, walking down the street. And uh, she's being pursued by a middle-aged guy. 
and he's yeah. kind of threatening and it, it's like a he's screaming at her and it's name three songs and then the title of the meme is uh something like uh when a when a boomer guy sees a girl with a band t-shirt on <laughs> oh god <laughs> name three songs I, yeah. I find this out like working with Adriana because of her age, which she brings like Leslie Feist, she loves Billy Eilish, she was one of Greg's. Uh, <laughs> Greg's making like Greg cannot understand. You should not be Billie famous. Eilish, <laughs> Billy Eilish. But one day in the studio, we're going on. Andy goes, You know, your song has like a sun sign of your love vibe. And Adriana's right. like, Who's that? Who's Cream? Oh, no. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh. You know, and that's just sometimes it's, 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 it's not our world anymore, guys. <laughs> you know, like a lot of those, like Michaela or like Josh or Sam, they're all big into like Neil Young. I know Michaela now really likes the Grateful Dead, but they know some of the other stuff. But I think like with Josh, his dad's like a music professor, yeah, so it comes all from music there. Cycles around him, you know. It's like yeah, you pop through your parents' collection, and then you know, oh, what the hell is this? And then you thought I was stupid, and then you know, oh, this is pretty cool, <laughs> you know. But it's yeah, 10 later. like what did you listen to at home, Chaz? Like when you grew up, was it all the popular, like, or was it like uh, big so band? Listen, or? Uh, I grew up in a Beatles Stones family. My mom was like a, a, a hipster. I mean, not really, but I mean, she was like way a beat. You know, everybody middle middle class people were cra crazy about the Beatles. But I remember when uh. I was like tiny, like before I could even read, uh, like maybe a, like a three or four year old, we had a stack of Beatles 45s on the Capitol Swirl. And I had a little like record player, like a close and play. And uh, mom was so nice. She would crayon, she'd draw on mar with marker or Sharpie on the label in like hieroglyphics, a picture of what the song was because I couldn't read. So she'd like draw like a walrus on like I am a walrus or rain on rain because i was so little i couldn't read the words and i yeah you know i stick them on their record so that's, you know what got me that's for ingrained some, in me all that for that. some reason i don't know why really cool. but fourth of july on pbs xxi when i was a kid they used to show yellow submarine and they got me into the beatles oh I... you know that's like and i, I don't know why they showed the it i couldn't make head or tail of it <laughs> No, now that's so psychedelic. Are you a Beatles or a Stones guy now, or are you just a Who guy or a Kinks guy? <laughs> you, you. I gotta say Me? Stones. Oh. Uh, Stones. I was more like a Beatles person. Ford or Shabby. Yeah. I was like a monkeys person. When I went to high school, the monkeys. Monkeys, yeah. That's when they hit. And it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, geez. One of the things that was actually my first album was Monkey's Greatest Hits. I was coming home from fossil hunting with my parents, which was fun. I had a nice young childhood, uh, and hey, we were fossil hunting. Mark uh, Twain on the radio came last claim, last train to Clarksville. And I right. said, Turn it up, it's the monkeys. It was last train to Clarksville. And my mom said, That's the Beatles. It sounds just like the Beatles. <laughs> And I was like, no, it's the monkeys. And she said, no, nah, it's the Beatles. And she said, listen, son, if that's the Beatles, I'll go buy you that record at, at JCPenney's before we get home. And I came to DJ and it was monkeys. I won the bet. 
So she bought me my first album was Monkey's Greatest Hits. Nice. See, mine was actually I saved my paper. Oh, was from the beginning. <laughs> my first album was that Blue Beatles album of the Beatles 67 to 70, and I got it at Gold Circle. Gold Circle. Gold Circle. Yeah. Loblaws. Oh, good old Loblaws. Yeah, yeah Sears. <laughs> when they had hey, you want to hear something Gold. funny? So yeah. I have a copy of that blue of that blue album. Yeah. And one of the records on one of the sides, the songs are not what it says on the label. <laughs> they went back they went Flexible. they went back and put some 60 stuff on there. And I'm like, I'm wondering, is this worth any money? <laughs> but one of the things I promised we talk about is talking. Yeah, go on. Well, I was talking to Mike Murray this morning and I said we mentioned a whole lot of shaking. And I think that yeah. I think Mike's had a really important influence on the music scene, speaking to us through the show of many years. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's you know, a local treasure. Definitely. When I you, you ever listen to that Hermit Radio on RUR on Saturday night? Yeah. Ten to midnight, and it's like I don't even remember all these songs. There's like hundreds of songs that like I never really understood were even. In existence. But I told them, I remember the one story, and I don't know if it was a work or not at the time, Sonny kidnapped Dell on air. <laughs> and oh, yeah. Dell screaming. I remember that, that? But I heard about it. Yeah, Dell screaming. He's tying him up, and we don't know if they made it up or not. <laughs> I, I hope they did. Was that with <laughs> a Frantic Frank? I don't know if it was or wasn't. It was a long time so, ago. Yeah. I just remember that. But I know he's, I mean, Mike's still going strong. Yeah, no, I think it was with, I think it was maybe with Frank Frank. I wasn't friends with Frank, but uh, those guys were like alpha males and they were like uh, psycho. <laughs> so poor Dell. <laughs> yeah, I know. Are you guys I, in touch with Dell? Yeah, I see. He doesn't come out much or anything, but every now and then he'll make an appearance. He'll come out. And there were, I know like Mike had the grip weeds come to Love and Cup and Dell made the appearance. You know, it's rare. Every now and then it's like with Stan, if like Ben Vaughn's playing, he'll come out, but otherwise they don't come out as much. Yeah. You know, I'll go see Adrienne or like Greg just had a gig with Anonymous Willpower about a week ago. Yeah. And thank you for coming out. So um so who would who would who's I mean Adriana, you've played me her stuff. It's like uh top top shelf stuff. Uh would she get booked at like Abilene? Because Abilene's sort she of plays like Abilene a, all the time. Like a rockabilly. Oh, yeah, she plays, she plays Abilene okay. all the time. Yeah, we have a gig there in the middle of June. And you know, cool. Danny now too. I don't know. Like you're you're in a place in Massachusetts. I can't pronounce. Yeah. How do you uh-huh. pronounce when you? Nahan, I'm out. Of, you should look it up on a map, folks. It's uh, I love it out here, but it's not. It's not. It's it's not a. Um, cultural place it's just like a, a place to hide out with a bunch of old uh old rich people but where uh are you? <laughs> it's okay it's what i need right now no where are you but uh it's uh it's a little spit a spit of land almost like an island sticking out in the uh water about 10 miles north of boston wow wow uh, yeah, i've heard i've it's heard it's not of it's not know. not touristy like uh martha's vineyard or nantucket but uh okay. do you have any house is there any music scene there's nothing going on around here. I mean, that's the big question, though. 
is if I were to get my ass out the door and go go to Boston, what would I find? And I don't know. <laughs> is there a music scene? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what yeah. the scene is. I don't think that there's like a punk scene with people pogoing anymore. And uh, I don't. There's not. You know. There's not the Rats Keller anymore. Now, correct me. Uh, was is NRBQ my friend from Boston? Judge, Nine years ago, six years ago. are from around well, New we, England. I don't know exactly where, but we uh, dig in Boston with Susie Willpower and Debbie and I went. Where? Oh my God! In we Boston, a little bar, right here, right. and and we got rooms and stuff. But it was like we made no money, and it was like, and then we had, and then I drove on the way back. I ran out of gas, and then we. <laughs> I had to, I, I was in the, one of the tunnels of Boston on a Sunday. And I'm like, oh, oh no. Sunday. And still people are yelling at me and beeping at me. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? You'll never get Sunday. It's five uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, that's, that's nowhere you want to get stuck, man. And, right. uh, yeah, the Yankees up here, they're, they're unforgiving, the salty Yankees up oh, here. Oh, yeah. They're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And then I remember you you hung out at the bug jar, didn't you? I love the bug jar. And uh is the bug what's going on with the bug jar? They are right now, they haven't had a show since the COVID hit. I I keep in touch with Oz, the door guy, and he keeps me up to date. I know they were gonna try, I don't think they did it. They were gonna try to put big screen TVs and have sports in there like during the well, Super Bowl. I know Bowl the stuff. owner got some big press when it first started, and he's like, I'm gonna fight this, I'm you know. So I mean, I they haven't opened. Keep it open. So, so here's my suggestion for those guys. You know, it's like that's, you know, so uh, with the new infrastructure bill, right? They they need to put a solar panel on the roof to make the bug go around. Uh, they could get some government <laughs> government money for that. Yeah, good. Yeah, but and I'm I'm happy that. Uh, so I'm happy that Antifa didn't smash it up when they were marauding in the streets of Rochester last summer. They walked yeah. right by. I think they it, right? stayed down. I know Oz said like they, you know, wherever they were. But like one of the things too is like still like a lot of people like Greg. How long have you been playing on the scene now? Like Play, Rochester. Right? How long? How long have you been playing? Like in terms of like out out uh, in bands, probably since '74. Wow. Yeah. See, I mean, I, 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 played, play, uh, I played in the band in high school while I was still in high school. <laughs> well, that should tell you something. <laughs> so is it still pretty much how's Rick, it changed? Do you know my, you know my guitar teacher? Because you seem yeah. to be into like uh, uh, fusion and stuff. Joe Chapone. Oh, fuck he yeah. He was in Cabo Frio. <laughs> Sorry. You know that guy? It's okay. You can swear all you want. <laughs> I mean, oh, yes, sir. <laughs> no, I know Joe, because we, we used to play in bands in the late 70s, all that soul shit at the Brick House or the Brick Joint or whatever the hell it was out in the West Side. But I mean, you know, we all played in bands in late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Yeah, he was a great guy. He taught me some guitar stuff, but he was a, um, is a whiz. He was into El Demiola. Right, and, uh, I like John McLaughlin and all those like really uh, whiz whiz bang guys. Right, they were like arpeggio in their way to heaven, man. But uh, I couldn't. I was never at that level. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I I can only play jazz to a certain level myself. I mean, you know, 
I'm okay yeah. for like a party jazz, cocktail jazz. But you know, I'm not gonna say, oh, I can play you know, like with you know, I'm not gonna play with your career or something. You know, <laughs> it's like right. Um, the Rochester legend Jocko Pistorius. Remember him? Yeah, he I, played the red. You remember the guy the Jocko Creek, Pistorius? The paid story. Jocko, yeah. Didn't he vanish he in Red, Red Creek? Creek? I heard he uh, was tripping and uh, it was like uh, break time and they were like, where did he go? And they found <laughs> him out on the railroad tracks like like rolling around and he had painted his arm with like paint. And uh, <laughs> I've heard that story he a lot. Lost yeah. mind. Uh, he, he had a lot of drug issues and other shit. Yeah. Yeah. He was with Weather Report, wasn't he? I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he was great. You know, just he just abused things, and he just went. That story's got to be true too, because I've heard so well, many people but, say but it. The seventies is that you know it was like, well, you know, I have all this, I have all these ideas, and they thought that was going to help them bring them out, and all you had to do was just practice more and not do all the other shit, <laughs> and they'd be okay. Yeah. yeah 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 hey kids don't throw sid barrett on us it doesn't end well <laughs> yeah no. you know but i you know, one of the thoughts i had i told todd bradley this when the high risers played i said todd you know trevor trevor just said trevor lake their drummer now he had yeah. a birthday i go you know his birth he was born the year you guys started and it was like oh my goodness Ooh. The the high risers like Trevor Lakes, their drummer now. When they started as the Essentials and the Salamanders, that was the year he was born. Wow! And I then know. the other one, I was out with Michaela, and I was out with Michaela and Sam at Bug Jar, and I'm talking to them, and I'm going, I'm talking to them, and I was here before they were born at this club, even. And well, it's sort of like those moments you know, get me. What was that place that was on? Um... Oh shit! Don't think of it. It was chestnuts. Hey, you know, uh, I, can I brag? Yeah. The Essentials played at my wedding when I got married at the top of the plaza at Strath Allen. Not nice. top of the plaza. Strath Allen, top patties. They played my wedding because I'm uh, high school friends with those guys. And uh, they were so cool to do it because I didn't have a big budget. I don't know what we gave them. If you want 300 bucks, or I don't know. And I said, uh, that was so good. It was, we had a good wedding. And, uh, I'm divorced now, but the wedding was great. And uh, yeah, I, I said, hey, guys. Uh, the marriage was can, shitty, but the, the, the party. <laughs> I said, yeah. "Can this is my wet, my wife's wedding. She's, you know, brides are taking it seriously. Can you guys not be, like, completely stoned when you come on? <laughs> but uh, they, I'm sure they didn't listen to me. It doesn't matter because they're so good. They can probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found I found but, uh, some. Go on. I assure you, ma'am, I am not completely stoned. <laughs> yeah, I am stoned enough that I will. Yeah, not completely. Yeah. So uh, they uh, the right amount. Request was to do a our, our wedding song, and our I got to play. Actually, Stan helped me out and uh, sang, and our wedding song was uh, "Let Love Rule." <laughs> That's, an awesome song. That's an awesome so song. The, there's a somewhere on a VHS tape. There's the uh, essentials doing "Let Love Rule." Oh goodness! That, yeah, I was yeah. thinking. I think that the songs like the first... you talk about. Sorry, you talk, you talk yeah. about Greg, like oh, songs yeah. that affect people. Like for me, a lot of the songs I relate to are like about bittersweet relationships because it seems like ah, I know this person. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, you know, that's that's usually what motivates you to write. I mean, 
the songs that the, the, the couple you heard at at Abilene the other week, yeah. those are all based on a true story from a girl singer who messed with me and you know all that. <laughs> He's also Chuck. If you haven't heard his trailer romance, you would love it. <laughs> That's all thanks. I to gotta me. get it. I gotta get it. I'll there. send it to you. I'll send it to you. Yeah. But that's one. But, you know, I finally, oh, after all the years, I, I finally got some proof for a story. The reason I met the Essentials was like spring 1990. I went with, you'll remember this name. I went with Dave Acuesta to see the Kinks at U of R. Oh, Dave. And, and then afterwards, we decided to go Dave. to Jazzberries to go oh, see the, the Essentials. And the Skeletons, I guess, were playing. So what, yeah. So what happened was. Before oh COVID, 2019, my friends Katie and Ben Mori have a music school. Greg Townsend was there. Michaela was there. We did a benefit. So Ben goes, you have to meet this person. It was the founder. It was the owner of Jazzberries. And she said that was the first show of the Jazzberries on East Avenue that they played. I guess, where were they? I know Todd Bradley told me they were somewhere else before Henrietta May. Yeah, they were over on um, South. That was Snake Sisters, and then they moved. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Susan Plunkett. I I saw Jonathan Richmond there acoustic. Actually, I played there one time. But uh, uh, yeah, those guys are you know, um, all great musicians, and uh, I'm a fan of uh, Chris Christopher Earl, Chris Sykowski, his whole deal, his underground releases, the Squires of the Subterranean. Oh yeah. You know, uh, it's kind of like Brian Wilson and XTC uh, got married. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, you know, Todd's doing a Bossa Nova band on the side now. I did not know that. Yeah, the Bossa Nova Bradley Brothers. Oh, okay. Great. I jammed yeah. with them a couple times. Yeah, it was, it's fun stuff. Usually Brian Williams plays the bass, I think. And, of course, Mark Bradley you plays. Gotta hear, you got to hear Todd sing in Portuguese. <laughs> Yeah, he can belt it out. He's another. He's underrated. I mean, he's a good. Uh, I've heard seen a video of him and stuff. He, he's a, as a vocalist. He's all three of those he can belt guys, it out. They're all savants, as far as I'm. They're concerned. all amazing. I, I know they all got like they all came from like Pittsburgh, uh, Sutherland yeah. High School and stuff, and uh, they all kind of congealed together like that. So, yeah. I mean, this. I mean, you're not here, Chase. You're off in that Massachusetts island. But Greg, how would you say like the music scene is now in Rochester? Um, I just I just like kind of admire it from afar. I wish I, you know, I'm not 22 anymore, so I'm not going out and uh, speeding around the streets with a uh, six pack of beers in my back seat and stuff. But uh, um, I don't know. You tell me. You're you. You're yeah, Greg. What would home. you think? Well, I mean, if this makes you feel any better, I'm 67 and I'm in four bands. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> Well, you know, because I just don't want to quit. I'm huh. too stupid and stubborn, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Chad, I, there was, I was like, back in your day, how many bands were you in at a time? One only, or was it, did you ever do two? Or seems like one, everybody's in four bands. I was bands in Lotus now. STP, and then uh, I was in Lotus STP, and then I was also in uh, The Ferrets with Jim Huey. And um, we were like a jangle pop band. Uh, Jim wrote half, well, two thirds of the songs, and uh, that was uh, Dave Anderson's label. And yeah, so I was doing both at the same time. And uh, 
I felt uh, very lucky for, to be to be doing that uh, I, and getting yeah. recorded. Uh, you know, it's funny because it's still paying off. I still like uh, you guys and a bunch of people on Facebook. They still remember me and uh, give me my props and make me feel good. You know, jazz <laughs> from the sea. And uh, it's funny because my dad and mom, my dad would say, "Why are you, why are you doing that? You're wasting." You know, you could be doing, you could be getting your career going or whatever. He said uh, something like, oh, I love my dad, I by the way, but he said that just, <laughs> it just kind of like goes away. And, you know, he's wrong. There's an old philosoph- Greek philosopher. I don't know who he, but he said, ours long, vitae brevis. So life is short, art is long. So Seneca, I think. I people think still Seneca dig out mean. these records from like 20 years ago and they keep on, uh, you know, coming up like the cicadas. So. <laughs> they don't let do, anybody though. discourage you not to rec- make art or record it yeah, no i know? can tell you like that i'm a, i'm not in my 20s anymore i just hang around with a lot of them <laughs> and uh some of the talents some of the people yeah. have here are just uh amazing well you know i mean i i enjoy playing and you know at times i'm like oh i gotta lug all this stuff or whatever but you know the minute you get too into that it's like, I told people, I said, the minute I don't even want to put it in my car, then I won't do it anymore. <laughs> but yeah. I still enjoy putting it in the car, taking it over there, PA and all, and just hooking stuff up. Because then, you know, you just, it's your show and you make it, you do it the way you want to do it. So. so, so Greg, here's my thing about the garage guys. Uh yeah like the kings and stuff like that i lo- love them but uh those records they're in love with from like 1966 the underground uh stuff um they're all right they got mojo they kick ass they've got like the attitude but the the sound quality is so shitty because there's these guys playing and it's like all like these walls of symbols and, well, there's, like, and there's like two two mics in the room you know <laughs> yeah yeah so uh so recording drums uh is really i think the most important part of the a full 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 rock yeah i mean you were talking about the drums is so important you were you were talking about um when uh uh, the guy with the studio sorry what's his name Dave 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 anderson so i went in there when he was still over there and you now he's I'm over at Goodman and Maine there, but you know, he just got a, a Studer two track thing or something, some yeah. old fashioned two track thing, mono thing. So he goes, he brought, uh, uh, you know, the, the band with Susie and, and me with, um, the hell was his name? Before anonymous willpower, but I'm sorry. Earl Cram review. So he brought us in there and he just did real basic kick drum overhead. He recorded on two tracks. He just wanted that 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 old sound. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I see like the process with Adriana and Andy's studio, just the technology now, it's incredible. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you can go overboard or you can go really simple or marry the two. Yeah, I mean, but what I'm saying that separates the the you know the the vanity labels the you know it, 
hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back, the amateur stuff from the real pro stuff is the pros, the big budgets. They'll spend like two days just working on the drums. Right. <laughs> and once they've got that, then uh, then you're 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 on your way, you know. So, uh, yeah, drumming is. Uh, well, you can go. I wish I could drum. I mean, you can go too much one way. But it's like if you can get a good kick drum and overhead sound, then you know you want to throw a snare mic in. I don't think you have to spend two days because I've done yeah, it yeah, live right. and I've done it in four hours. So you know. <laughs> oh, I want to go back to clubs a little bit. You did you frequent idols either of you two? Uh, yeah. I did not. She drives me crazy. That was all. They were always playing that. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I actually looked at their list of they had a lot of I think they were the punk club for a while here. The last uh, club. Oh no, I'm thinking of um <laughs> something else. I'm not thinking of uh, I'm, there was like a club club where the girls show up in their heaven, maybe uh, oh, they play the playing on cannibals. But then they're you're talking idols, which was had bands. Yeah. Oh, all the time. I was there all the time. I think that was like the quintessential punk band for a while in Rochester, like the punk club. Yeah, one that sticks in, we played there a lot. One, one that sticks in my mind was somebody dragged me down, or maybe by myself. Somebody called me down, and it was like a Monday, quiet Monday night, or it was like an off night and nothing to do. And uh, there was some like skinhead band playing that was on tour, like some thrash band. And, uh, was an own band and they were like four, four girls and uh they were great they were like uh like the mc5 or something like that and uh then uh they were done playing and i went up they had like a merch table and uh i said hey you guys are good and they, they were like having a problem with the the headlining band was being mean to them and uh like being i don't know sexist and Maybe I don't know what I believe, but anyway, they were cool, and uh, I bought a sticker for my guitar case, <laughs> and I was from one of the girls in the band. But they, uh, you know who they were? They were L Seven. Wow. Oh, Fox Forty Five loves them. Yeah, so I got to see them before they were anybody, and uh, I was like, man, if I was an A and R man or a talent scout, I got, the, I got the eye. I would find those guys. Oh, Rebel Girl. So, and who who the who the fuck were the other band? Who cares? I mean, <laughs> they're gone. Actually, you can't see my shirt, but it's my friend Anna's band. It's a you should probably know this great the Surfer Jets, and they're a female band based out of oh, Toronto. Yeah. Anna's from here. Yeah, our, my friend Anna's the drummer for them. She's she lives here. She also plays with Monica Lewinsky, who you would like a lot. Cool, cool. But she hey, does whatever have, happened to the whatever yeah, happened to the isotopes? Okay. They're, they're, they're still playing. They're actually they have their 20th anniversary show oh. at Radio Social June 19th and the album release. They're still playing. So they're New York City or something, right? No, they're still here. Oh wow. Yeah, Megan Bead or everything. Megan's in New York now. She's in a band called Gift Shop. Oh. So they're wow. still around. But like Danny, like we talked about Abilene, he has all kinds. It's not just twang. He has all kinds of different acts there. Like Herb Smith is going to play jazz there in a week or so. You know, there's, you know, anonymous willpower, I wouldn't say it's country. I mean, they're a little bit of everything. Right. You know, like that. Well, I saw anonymous willpower. No, anonymous willpower. Sorry. It was, um, yeah. but I saw Susie out there. That's why I'm making a connection. 
out at some roadhouse out in uh out in the countryside and it was uh infrared was playing oh yeah oh good old kim yeah it was the coolest place it was like a biker bar or something uh Maybe yeah, Moondog's Tavern, Tavern, maybe, maybe Moondog's Tavern, because I know Kim loves it. Yeah, I that think place. that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, he loves that place. It was great. It was great. That's like actually how I met Susie, because Earl Cram played with the, the Bad Enough, so I went down to see them, and they were playing, and I met Susie a long time and, ago. You know, that's the whole thing. It's like when you're in a band, any kind of band, it's just like, well, I got this gig here. And, uh, well, how much does it pay? Well, you can't always look at that. Because the thing is, where you go, you're going to meet different people. All of a sudden, you know, these this people from this this band's camp, which you might never have ever met, and then they come to your shows two or three months later, and then you build a big communal audience. And to me, that's why I, I love playing shows with multiple bands. Because yeah, I know yeah. it's a, a, a gear headache with the sound guy and everything, but it's like a lot of times I'll just, oh, just use my drums. <laughs> if you can deal with it, use my drums. But it's just, you meet so many different people and then you intermingle audiences and then everybody knows everybody else. Everybody knows everybody. I think that's actually a corollary yeah. with the podcast too. We bring on all these different musicians, we meet them, we sit yeah. across pollinate a little bit. Well, that's yeah, cross pollinating. That's perfect. <laughs> but now we have our one. We have our one theater person. Can you draw any parallels to theater from what we've been talking about in Rochester compared to this? I mean, yeah, and uh, you know, more or less. I mean, um, it, you know, and obviously with theater, it's you know, it's everybody's kind of all over the place. But you know, uh, once you're kind of in any any kind of you know, arts community, you know, everybody, everybody has, you know, everybody's kind of pushing for everybody else, you know, and, and one thing about, you know, for a city like this, a city of this size, uh, it, it has a wealth of talent. Yeah, it does. And people, people come out here um, from other places all the time, and they're just stunned by the amount of you know the size of the music scene, the size of the theater scene, the size of the fine art scene, you know. And yeah, the one thing you'd expect is you know photography. That's you know, but you you know, and with music, you have the Eastman School, you have Hochstein, you know. There's there's just so much talent, you know, even just surrounding it, you know, that it, it just kind of rubs off everywhere. Uh... What kind of theater stuff uh, is going on? Are are you are you into like underground stuff or like uh, uh legit I, like over overboard playwrights? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he sung Robbie Williams. Uh, yeah, that that yeah. Well, I I I I would love there to be more um more kind of underground or experimental kind of stuff. Um, but it's, it's hard because, uh, well, and obviously we're, we're talking, I, I, you know, I got to preface everything pre 2020 because, you know, there, there's been no such thing as theater really in one, you know, aside from what you can pull off over zoom or, or people going into venues and, and, and readings and filming a people have done readings. readings, there's been a lot of readings. And then lately people have gone like, the, you know, they rent muck and then they, they get a million cameras and video the, 
the production, but they just it does not replace live theater. And I and it's it's coming back. You know, there's a there's a Shakespeare in the Park uh, production going on this summer, and I did oh, a lot. Wow. Yeah, I did a lot of uh, stuff with the with the RCP Shakespeare program over the years. Um, but uh, you know, I I I was never a, a musical guy, and those are the things that you know. Those are the the shows that that make the most uh, you know money. Yeah. Um, but I always you know there really, really the same. Yeah. But I mean, like, we do have diversity to like Ali yes. approved. He did the Shell Silverstein thing, which I yeah. love. That was great. I went to see that twice. And I think I'll get the name wrong, Patrick, but I know DVC or MJ, somebody did the INSQ. Romanian. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They did one from there. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of smaller groups that have been, you know, that's the thing. You know, there's a lot of a lot of smaller groups that come and go over the years. And you have spaces like Muck that have a venue for people of all different size, you know, theater organizations. I always think I was there when that opened and I just see how it's grown a little and changed like this yeah. and everything. I have to ask a question to Patrick. Yeah. So when I drive by Blackfriars' new place, it does not look very big. It's not. It's not. It's not very. It's not. Yeah, it's not big. It's not a very big place, but it's a great. Um, it's a really cool venue. Um, it's a really cool. Uh, you have to set it up so it's like you know audience. Yeah, friends. yeah. You walk in, so so you go in. There's a little lobby and there's a place to get your tickets. And then to the left is the stage. It's like almost a semi round. So it's most of the building, though. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's most of the building. Um, the uh, it's like a it's 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 kind of a cross between like a black box and a three-quarter thrust, but it just, you know, the stage is the ground that risers go up. But the problem with them that's during what, this... That's what small theater is, right? Yeah. yeah. But the problem with them is because of obviously the limitations. They, I think Barry just, uh, they announced they're going to have a fall season, but they just, uh, because it wouldn't probably be worth it because in terms of capacity... You know, right. if you have to spread. Oh, yeah, that, I'll tell you, like the best, the, the show, the one show, Heather, I, Heather, and actually, I took time Heather there to go see Heather's. That place was so jammed; people were, it was amazing. But it's just, uh, it's a great venue to see stuff. Yeah. Have you done anything well, there? I know Jill's done MJ. I haven't. I haven't done anything there. One of the um, reasons I bring it up is because back in the day, bringing it back to comic books, <laughs> <laughs> as we always do. George Reeves was part of the Pasadena to Playhouse. Wow. And that was back in the back in the day, that was a small theater that a lot of people came up in. So Yeah, just, yeah, the, yeah, that's the thing. Like these these places, um, I mean shipping dock, you know, uh, uh Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right. More or less came out of oh, there. Cool. Like, you know, downstairs yeah, he was, cabaret. Downstairs cabaret, yeah. That was, you know. Downstairs Cabaret had a very, um, it was a very illustrious uh, 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 theater. Um, there was a, there were a lot of really uh, polarizing personalities involved in that. I don't know the story. We'll have to, that's the thing too. I mean, before COVID yeah. hit, I was a patron of all things arts, you know, and you know me, Greg, I was all around town and all yeah. this stuff involved I mean, in one thing or another. 
you know, so it's been weird shutting down. But I, we mentioned theaters. The one thing I could say about the Triangle Theater is that's the place musicians were the meanest to me, to me yet. <laughs> because I had Chrissy Hyde be mean to me and John Cale be mean to me. And I was like a teen. Well, of course, Chrissy Hyde's going to be mean to you, Rob. I love that's that what she does. <laughs> I don't think John Cale was that bad. I just think John was on drugs then and everything. He was he was foul. <laughs> Chrissy Hahn used to kick out the windows of police cars. <laughs> but I usually have man. a way with those types, you know. Yeah, I know. That's what we, you and me got in common. We're kind of like uh, uh, crazy magnets. Right? Oh yeah, you know all the stories. You've known me long enough. You know the history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We love we love it though, don't we? Yeah. Apparently, you see Heinz book. She like talks about a gang uh, assault. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She uh, yeah, she's a scrappy girl. I heard about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a great album that that first album, uh, classic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they uh, were good, you know, and everything. So, but, but still, like we do have places like again, another place is Love and Cop, which we right. get. You used to have a lot of diversity of acts. Obviously, whenever I talk about all this, it's like pre-COVID. You know, and how's things yeah, what's going to happen now? Who knows? You know, uh, I, you now? know, there could be a second, uh, there could be a second wave. I just go day by day. Yeah, I think people are hungry. People are hungry to get out, get out and uh mix it up, I think. So I think it'll be good. I, mean, I, think, I, yeah. I think yeah, just you know, you shouldn't have to bribe people to get vaccinated, but apparently they are. So, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, at this point, whatever it takes, you know, yeah, it just know. enough of the nonsense. You know, yeah, it just it's all about. It's it, like, if you if you look in the places where people where where a majority where a larger, you know, pot parts of the percentage of the population are vaccinated, they're doing better at this point, right? Right. You know, what's the argument at this point? Well, right now, you gotta get everybody. So, if you want to lower the mask thing. You got to have ninety eight percent, you know, or whatever. You Herd know. immunity, baby. That's where. That's where that's well, how's where it by you? Because I know Danny announced. Danny Joyce, he announced starting this week, you have to bring your vax card to get into Abilene. Right. Well, so I, I know I'm going to be going home because I'm going to forget it every time. Well, I get that because you can only fit fifty people in there. Yeah. Well, he got mad. Like Adriana had that gig, and we had the problem. There was an opening band, and he was saying, "You know, I could have. You know, I really messed up. I'm gonna have to kick people out." It's just you don't know who's vaccinated. Well, who he is. gets nervous. He's a small business guy. Well, and, and that's the thing. Yeah, like if you get like once somebody once those contact tracers find out where you've been, yeah, it's a problem for the venues. It's a problem for restaurants and some in, in stores, and some of them are just trying to ignore it. But it's just it's like. Not, yeah. Sorry, the narcs come in there and you know ruin it. The so, yeah, well, <laughs> the that's what that's one way to look at it. There's always different ways to look yeah. at it. Shit, did you ever see yourself playing again, or are you done? You like yeah, retired old states? Because people keep on uh, patting me on the head and saying, you know, you're good, and uh, I I get the I keep taking getting encouragement, so. Uh, you and yes, Greg too. want to do something like, like Megan Jack White, a drummer and a guitar player? <laughs> yeah, I need to. Uh, I need to. Thanks for the encouragement. I, some, I've got to do something. I was for a couple of years. I was doing home demos in Baltimore. I had this shack I lived in after I got divorced in a a, a weird uh, neighborhood. I, I was like the only white guy on the street, but it was like also like a country shack. It was a weird uh, spot, and uh, I set up 
skier in the back room and would um record stuff on audacity on a on a and uh audacious of you <laughs> fun good stuff i was usually you know drinking and doing it and then i'd listen to the i'd get a big kick out of it and i put some of the stuff on youtube if only i could drum and sing uh i'd i'd be ruling the world but uh <laughs> i can only i can only write the the bass and the guitar stuff is what i'm, I'm really confident well in. the drummer you know greg the drummers rule the world yeah, you gotta have a good. You gotta have a good drum track. Everything we're like the invisible extra guy. <laughs> yeah, the drummer's a bell of the ball. You know, yeah. you gotta get a new. I had a. I started a band in Baltimore with a cup with a bunch of cool people, and we were gonna call it the Orange Ruffies. <laughs> and, uh, I had about a set of about ten originals, and it was coming along really good. We had some good, uh, talented talent down there, and then my buddy. Uh, we got for the lead singer he had anxiety and uh i'm mad at him for that i'm still love the guy we're tight but uh i uh called up the local hipster club and i said hey you need a can we play a opening gig and uh right away yeah i don't you know who you are yeah you're opening for the turbo fruits uh next month <laughs> and i'm like woohoo a gig like that was easy and uh but then the Lead guy, he he had an anxiety attack and thought we weren't ready. Jesus Christ! We weren't ready, but I, I'm mad at him because I wanted to play out. You know what? I, you know what I like about the scene, though. But even like sometimes a lot of people, this various people from our day who don't come out, but when they do, it's like old times. But like for example, I was at the little, I ran into Bruce Johnson. Oh yeah, Bruce. And it's like it's like great. It's like it's just like you know it goes with the memories too of everything. Like all the days you think of all the things like that. You know, it's like it's like Mike Murray's a connection to all this stuff with this show, and it's just really yeah. Good. You know, Bruce uh, Bruce will have a. I don't know if I'm divulging too much, but he'll he'll. Um, I don't care. I don't care, Bruce. He'll, he'll be <laughs> big cans of IPA on a Saturday afternoon, and then I'll get start getting some harassing texts from the guy. But it's loving stuff. It's I'm just, I wouldn't say that if it wasn't. So I get I get crazy texts from Bruce, and uh, and then I fight back with. I I up the ante and send them even crazier texts. So I'm in touch <laughs> with Bruce. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. it was always great yeah. to see it. But every now and then, for certain bands, people will come out, and I'll just think of the old days. It's fun. Yeah, the old days. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure if I showed up, I'll probably. I'll let me know. I'm going to come to town. We, we got to go to the Bug Jar. If it's open, <laughs> what other marbles roll in there? I'm sure I'm the going to be a couple people I know. Make a reservation to go out. <laughs> yeah, like our shows, like Adriana's yeah. shows. I'm like sort of part of the band now, so I can get in. But like you have to get there two hours early now, like right. and everything mm. else, and it's like capacity's limited. So it's not the same where you just be going three or four things in a night. Like no, it's still to. better than Zoom. It's worth it. It's worth it. I it's think. Get, it's getting there. Now more than ever, it's important to know something. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's been anything else you want to add about stuff? We're sort of like wrapping up and everything. No, I'm just thrilled you cheered me up and um and I uh, I really appreciate uh it and uh I hope some of my friends tune into this and uh I'm glad I did it on my my procedure day. People told me don't do anything stupid today because you've had a football <laughs> stand in. I hope everything goes well, man. You seem like a good dude. So, oh, yeah, thanks, guys. Would you ever want to you like we get any other musicians on Zoom? Would you want to come back and like be a guest commentator? All the time, man. Let me let me uh, hit me any, hit me up anytime because uh, 
uh, I'm like a talk show kind of brain. I, I got the, you know, you, you get it. So let me know. I'd love to pitch in. So yeah, I mean, Greg's the official. He likes to call himself the second banana, and he's our musicologist too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, I'm just here to his foil. <laughs> well, Patrick's also part of man. the part of the band, but Patrick doesn't really do the music I mean, stuff. The <laughs> yeah, I'm the I'm the chief nerd in residence. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like he's more like our nerd expert on. I don't like. I don't usually use the term geek culture, but like you geek know, culture is fine. Nerd culture, I don't, fine. I, it's all, whatever. Whatever. It's all, I this say is all. It. It's all cool now, ish. But um, <laughs> just don't mention Snyderverse to him because I saw the post. <laughs> oh, that's a whole. That's a whole different thing. Uh, yeah, it's, I got. I got angry on Facebook. Yeah, but the thing, that. like when we started this, it sort yeah. of went by osmosis, and everybody just has a really good time being on there, and it's good. You know, for us, you know, we meet other people, you know, all the musicians meet each other. They usually know each other, of course. It's just... Yeah, it's super laid back. Nobody's trying to be fake or uh, uptight or anything. I, I think you guys got a good good thing going here. You got a yeah. new subscriber with me, so. Awesome. There we yeah, go. Right. See, yeah, another sure. one you brought in, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> another another member of the cult. <laughs> it sort of is the way it yeah, is. Grow the, grow the carnival. Join us. Welcome to the yeah. sideshow. Was that where I got my black and my Kool Aid now? So I'm ready. <laughs> well, you know what? When we're in the studio, we usually play a song, and because we're not, and they won't get us if you just mention one. What, what should we have as a theme song for your episode? Oh, shit. Hey, this... Bulldog. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's okay because nobody will sue us because we're not going to play it. So. <laughs> You know, we've got or, or some some venture song. Who knows? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, okay. but uh, thank you, guys. Cool. Oh, we'll thank you. you. You know, stay in touch, and we'll. You ever think of a topic? We're very open. It's like look at Greg. <laughs> Greg had the thing about happy songs. Happy. <laughs> Nobody happy. said shiny happy people. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I cool. we could have gone down that road. I but I I got some. But I guess you're running out of time. But now, well, you know. Next within time. the you know we're within the the attention span limit I suppose these days. Yeah. <laughs> Lately, a lot of our shows I think could go three hours, but I've had to call them just because people, <laughs> even if it's good, people are busy. You know. Yeah. Matters. <laughs> yeah. Cool. You take care of yourself. Man. You know, here's my up. happy song since I had another. Okay. Well, end with your happy song. My happy song. That I listen to in the dead of winter when there's like only like four hours of daylight and everything sucks. And uh, I'll get my drink on and uh, I'll put my headphones on. And uh, it's this guy, uh, David Lindley. Remember that guy? Yeah. He was the uh, slide player for Jackson Brown. Right, right. And he's got some great solo records. And he's got a song called Turning Point, which is uh, a cover of a 70s soul guy. And it's just such a bouncy, happy, uh, yeah. revved up song. It's like drinking a can of Red Bull and getting a, a back scratch at the same time. He did that Mercury <laughs> so That's Blues. my happy. He did a great version of that Mercury Blues. I got a Mercury I love Blues. that guy. Yeah, I love that. Guys. See, we, we could have you back just to talk yeah. about music like we do or anything. So it's cool. There's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, man. Oh, cool. Everybody wants to join the cult. Uh, it's... <laughs> I'm in now, man. Cool. Here's my, awesome. my, my, I'm cutting my wrist right now. I'm pressing it up against you here. All right. Yeah. We oh, gotta, great. Uh, We're going to get demonetized finally. I got to go uh, mug somebody stop, now. Join us. Get dug up. <laughs> <laughs>
All man, right. Thanks, thanks a lot, man. Be well. Get better. <laughs> Take it easy. See ya. Bye. Thanks, guys.